Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15 minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Welcome, everybody. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here. This is a, a continuation of a work stream that we've got on the theme of ESG investing, so environmental social governance uh, related investing, and, and very much from the perspective of fund boards. I'm Brandon Horwitz. I'm a senior advisor and a director of the Fund Boards Council. And I'll introduce you to our speakers in just a moment, if you, if you don't mind bearing with me. This is, as I said, the second uh, in, in a series of events and some work we're doing. We had our first one in November last year. I'm delighted to see a lot of very, uh, very, very familiar faces from that event. And some of you might remember, we had speakers from Lion Trust, HSBC and St. James's Place Unit Trust Group. And some of the messages they left us with was how we really need to remember that sustainability actually starts with the fiduciary duty that we have to our, to our clients, to our investors. Um, they recommended that we think not just about the regulatory requirements, but also about the full value chain. Uh, and finally, a really important message we got was we should think about risk management uh, and long-term returns of what we're trying to achieve for customers. So sustainability is actually part of, um, part of that whole investment proposition. Now, we had a very, very wide-ranging discussion in November, and actually, we ended up with probably more questions than answers, but I think that actually leads us very nicely to today, where we're hopefully going to pick up on some of these questions, and two big questions for us are, what are some of the key responsible investing frameworks which fund boards should be aware of, and how can you as a fund board director, how can you obtain assurance that the funds for which you're responsible are actually aligning with these frameworks? A second key question is, what are some of the upcoming or the current climate change disclosure related regulations? Uh, and be those bottom up ones relating to funds like the UK sustainability disclosure regulations requirements or some of the top down ones, because we know they're also now going to be some TCFD, some task force for climate disclosures requirements at an entity level for fund managers. So two, two big questions for us to get our teeth into today. Um, and we're absolutely privileged to have two people who are very well placed to help us. Uh, we have Claudia Chapman, who is head of sustainability, apologies, head of stewardship at the Financial Reporting Council. Uh, and many of you will know the Financial Reporting Council uh, maintains the, the UK stewardship code. We also have Mark Manning, who is a technical specialist on, uh, with a focus on sustainable finance and stewardship at the Financial Conduct Authority. So before I hand over to Claudia and Mark, one more thing. You've all been very kind and uh, a lot of you have responded to our request to fill in a survey. And I'm just gonna share some of those findings with you uh, because I think they give us a good context for today's meeting. And also I think it'll help uh, Mark and Claudia with um, certainly understanding where we're all at. So I'm gonna share a screen and with any luck, there we go. Hopefully, can everybody see that? Now, now, first of all, this is just to prove, we said to you it should take you about two minutes to do the survey, and, and it, it did only take about two minutes on average. Okay, <laughs> close to the three, but I'm, I'm gonna round down if that's okay. So the first thing is, is just to say, well, where does responsible investment feature in your fund board discussion? So very, very gratifyingly, it really looks like for you know three quarters of the boards, 
um, the vast, you know, which, which is really a vast majority, it is coming up in board discussions. It's coming up at least sometimes for about a quarter of the people who responded. And that's, that's useful to know. I guess the real questions for us to explore today is, what is it that's being discussed at the fund board? Is it more the bottom up side of things like fund labeling or, or the sustainable finance directive, sorry, the sustainable finance disclosure requirements or the upcoming ones from the FCA or SFDR from, from Europe? Or is it more the top down uh, task force on climate financial disclosures? Interesting for us to explore. I suspect it's more of the bottom up than the top down. And I think Mark's probably gonna tell us why we need to think about the top down stuff as well. Um, and I'd be interested for us to explore for the quarter of boards where it only features sometimes, why is that? Is it only featuring sometimes because they're so on top of things that they don't need to spend so much time on it? Um, or is it perhaps that it only features sometimes because they're still feeling their way towards uh, getting to grips with it? Next, very interesting here is um, almost all of the respondents, so this is 24 of our, of our 26, don't just look at their ESG funds. And I think that that's really interesting because one of our questions was, well, you know, are people thinking about a fund if it has an ESG badge on it? But actually, this is telling us that almost every single respondent said, no, 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 we look at ESG across all of our funds. Um, it's not surprising in the UK context because we know a lot of fund managers integrate, uh, integrate ESG, but it's still a good thing to see. I'm getting a little bit of background noise. So would everybody mind just double checking that you're muted, please? So that's that's really interesting. We do have two outliers. We have uh, one, one respondent who only looks at their ESG funds uh, and one who doesn't discuss um, responsible investment at all. So that's a, that's a very interesting answer. Next question is, we want to understand, are people aware of some of the codes uh, which actually set out how asset managers should be looking at responsible investment. And again, we're seeing some very high response rates here. So I think um, uh, the, the, the UNPRI gets the most votes. Not surprising, we all know UNPRI has been around for the longest. It's probably one of the most well-known uh, um, frameworks out there. But I think Claudia will be happy to see that, you know, 22 out of the 26 did, uh, did understand that their firm was, was signed up to the stewardship code. And we'll learn a bit more about it shortly. But interestingly, that a good a good eighteen out of the twenty six, which is you know not not a small number, um, two thirds of them are aware of net zero investing frameworks. But not surprising that there's a bit less. They're, they're not as mature. They're not as well known. Uh, and it'll be interesting as we go through today's discussion to think about um, what perhaps is being said about net zero, perhaps rather than other approaches. Now, this this is something which I think we'll we'll, we'll be fascinated to understand Mark's perspective on, which is. Who is responsible uh, at an authorized fund manager at the board? Who, who should you be thinking about holding accountable for ensuring that any responsible investment ESG activities are being done as, as you'd expect them to be? And this is, this is a really meaty question because um, people will have different perspectives. Now, interestingly, everyone you'll see here, 26 out of 26 respondents said the authorized fund manager and by extension its board is responsible. So I guess big tick in that box. Uh, and again, Mark will validate for us that the buck stops with you as the fund board. But the other responses are also quite fascinating. And it'll be interesting for us to unpack how you know, two thirds of the respondents think that compliance and risk play a role. Um, but the question is, well, why, why doesn't everyone? Or do people differentiate between primary responsibility, which, which sits in the first line, and perhaps some degree of assurance, which, which will be provided by the second line? Interesting for us to see. Now, the other thing is, um, less than half of the respondents thought it was a senior management function holder's responsibility. 
And again, we'll ask Mark to help us unpack that. There isn't a prescribed regulatory responsibility for ESG uh, or ESG oversight. So I guess you could say, according to the rule book, there isn't a requirement. But let, let's see what the direction of travel is. Or perhaps Mark will tell us it's something which is wrapped into a senior management function holder's other duties. So I'm sure we'll all be fascinated to hear about that. And we had some good others. Uh, and just to give you a flavor for what some of the others were, people felt it was an ESG governance team played a role, the risk team played a role, the chief investment officer and, and, and any other chief investment officers for asset classes or desks played a role. Um, and a number of people felt that all parties in the chain had a degree of responsibility. So fascinating question and, and certainly shines a light um, for us as to Clearly, there is there is overlapping responsibility, but different opinions as to as to where the buck stops, other than the fact that it does stop with the board. So um, I'm, I'm sure we'll be have some fun unpacking this with Mark. This was a good question, I thought, um, which is what do you think makes a big difference or, or what's actually going to be effective when it comes to responsible investment? Almost everybody thought it was a combination of uh, divestment exclusion as well as engagement, although six hardy souls uh, out of the 26 thought, no, it's all about engagement. Interesting. We'll hear from Claudia and, and, and Mark what they think. Um, I don't think there's a right answer here, although it, it is interesting that no one said it's all about divestment, which is which is kind of so ESG 1.0. You know, we all know ESG 2.0 is about engage, don't just divest. So I'm sure we'll have some discussion. Um, who gave us answers? Well, it's great to see that we've got a lot of non-executive directors of fund boards. So thank you all for responding. But we have a good a good chunk of executive directors and some other professionals. So, you know, thank you for all. Uh, putting your 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 two p into the into the ring as I mix my metaphors uh, quite quite shamelessly, um, we had a nice mix. We had uh, some very some 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 bigger fund ranges. You'll see there some smaller fund ranges, and similarly, we had a good mix here in terms of some of the bigger fund ranges, fund managers in terms of assets under management, and and some smaller ones. So this is probably a, a fairly reflective sample. So with that, to get your engines going. I'm going to stop sharing and I'm going to ask Claudia, would you like to uh, open the, the discussion or, or tell us a bit more what you think? Yes, thanks. Um, thanks, Brian. And, and thanks for, for running that survey. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's really helpful to do that at the start, of, certainly for, for me as well, to get a sense of where, you know, where, where people's thinking is and people's understanding. And um, so it's really interesting um, seeing that. And, and thank you for kicking off with sharing that. I think it's really useful. So um, as Brian said, I'm, I'm Claudia Chapman and I head up our stewardship function at the Financial Reporting Council. We're part of the corporate governance and stewardship team, which I think is a, a very natural um, a collaboration. And we're responsible at the Financial Reporting Council for uh, regulating, I'm sure you all know this, but um, auditors, actuaries and accountants. But we set the UK Corporate Governance Code, uh, the more recent uh, weights principles for large private um, companies and the uh, stewardship code, the UK stewardship code, which has been around for uh, quite a number of years now. And then most recently, we reviewed that code in 2019, uh, at the same time as there was some uh, quite a lot of work going on to uh, implement the shareholder rights directors work. And, and Mark and I actually um, uh, very uh, nicely worked together with lots of the colleagues from the Department for Work and Pensions and the Pensions Regulator and our, our various government departments to implement those and, and try and align those uh, you know the the intent of all this policy and regulation and um, together so that worked quite well but at the same time we were looking at 
making the UK corporate governance code, um, sorry, UK stewardship code, uh, um, more reflective of practice or, or, or pointing towards good practice rather than just a set of statements. But that's kind of going to some of the changes that we've made is we've got this, this set of principles, this apply and um, explain code of 12 principles uh, that are relevant for a real range of organizations that are involved in looking after the assets that are entrusted to their care. And, and we're thinking very much about the, the interest, the ultimate interest of UK pensioners and savers when we ask uh, people to consider uh, their, their responsibilities uh, in relation to stewardship. So the code applies to asset managers uh, and also uh, uh, pension funds, uh, asset owners. Uh, so we're also thinking about service providers and, and their, their expectations are slightly different. I think about investment consultants, proxy advisors, anybody who provides services to those who, who uh, demonstrate effective stewardship. And I guess in um, what's interesting or relevant for this conversation is increasingly we're seeing ESG data providers signing up to become stewardship co-signatories. And I think that's really important. And I think the expectations upon those organisations are going to increase as, um, as the information that is very um, important for people to make decisions so people like yourself to be able to make decisions needs to come under sort of greater uh, scrutiny um, and, and standards of governance really um, that's a slight aside but anyway we have these 12 principles and, and they cover a range of areas uh, very much starting with purpose and governance uh, so that was one of the, in, the main changes that we made to the code when we introduced it in, in 2020 and we also have extended the code beyond UK listed equities. So previously, stewardship was very much considered as a sort of discipline that was relevant to um, public listed equity, but really that is not where, where the majority of assets are held. So why can't those principles apply more broadly? And that's what we're seeing. Again, ESG integration um, is, is much more broadly thought of now. We introduced the, the concept that stewardship and investment decision-making should be integrated alongside consideration of, of ESG factors. And, and we also moved away from expecting people to tell us what their intent is and actually start demonstrating that intent and saying, what are you doing? What's your activity? And, and more difficult, but, but equally important is what is the outcome or impact of that activity? So those are some of the kind of main areas that, that we looked at, um, very much thinking, as I said, about the wider benefits to not only UK pensioners and savers, but the economy, the environment and society. And, and really it does set a bar or a standard that is above um, minimum regulatory requirements. There is absolutely a place for that, that, that minimum regulation. And for many organisations, you know, what's set out in, in, in for example, the, the um, Conduct of Business Sourcebook about your, your um, expectations of stewardship may be very relevant. Um, depending on your business model, but for many organisations, particularly where you're large organisations, really um, the, the government's expectation and many, many um, uh, customers and, and, and savers are starting to, to expect more in relation to you know, what do you do to look after uh, the money that, that, you, that you have and um, looking after that money on behalf of others. So I think that's probably a little um, flavour of, of the code itself we we uh, had the first applicants to the new code uh, join us in in september of this year so we had 125 signatories to the code and um tomorrow we're actually going to be writing to those applicants who submitted their applications to us in october to let them know the outcome of that we'll be publishing the list of new signatories to the code adding to that um, on thursday so uh, we expect lots of hits on our website 
um, on, on Thursday, that's usually the case. There's a little bit of a spike when that goes out. So I think that's probably um, a little bit of a, a flavor for the code itself. Brandon, we can talk about some of the, the questions you had about good practice, I think maybe in the, in the course of the conversation. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.